Between the Finite and the Infinite, podcast number 59, Dilemma in Eden. Today is my father's birthday. He was born on June 13, 1902, in what is now Oklahoma, but at the time of his birth it was Indian Territory. He always listened to his mother's advice to be eternally grateful to have had a Native American wet nurse. For Father's Day, I wish to honor my father by podcasting something that he wrote when he was 60 years old. He wrote this as a Labor Day sermon, which he delivered at the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., as the Labor Day message in 1962. Dad started working as a steel worker and spent his first 16 years working for Bethlehem Steel. He was instrumental in organizing the workers during the Great Depression to give them a voice in the steel industry and was elected first president of the local union and thereby lost his job at the steel mill. But the United Steel Workers of America hired him to work in community relations and he ended up on the national staff of the CIO in Washington, which is where he first gave this address in 1961. It was later printed in Norman Vincent Peale's magazine, Faith at Work, in 1964. These are his words, as written back in the early 1960s. God has brought us back into the Garden of Eden, but we don't know what to do with it. Through automation, and new technology, we have become the most productive society in history. But some have suffered for this advance. Between five and six million Americans are denied a just share in the abundance of our affluent society because there are no jobs for them. I am not speaking of the unemployable. They are the poor that we have always with us, of which Jesus spoke those who are sick and unable to live effectively, we approach their problems with realism, try to help them become employable and productive in our economy, or care for them if this is necessary. I'm speaking of the men, women, and young people who are able and willing and seeking jobs, but do not find them. They are the ones in Jesus' parable of the vineyard, who were asked in Matthew 26 to 7, Why stand ye here all day idle? And they replied, Because no one hath hired us. These fellow Americans are being replaced by automation in an age of rapid social change and forced into involuntary privation, loss of personal dignity, and eventual poverty. Some young people just out of school find that they are not needed. The fear and insecurity in their hearts give rise to prejudice against those of certain races, religions, national origin, and sex. American Negroes are traditionally the last to be hired and the first to be laid off. But they will no longer accept this position. They are on the march for freedom and jobs, and I am happy to march with them. However, they are not the only ones who suffer in our economy. In 10 years, 667,000 coal miners 
have been replaced by machines. On the railroads, 32,000 firemen are fighting to keep from becoming a part of a growing army of the unemployed. I recently learned of one meat company that cut its workforce from 81,000 to 30,000, but which with automation can process one billion more pounds of meat in one year. Then there are the underemployed migrants, the Jodes from Tobacco Road, the Okies of the Grapes of Wrath, the Wetbacks from Mexico, who are unwanted as people and yet who are important to the, our welfare at harvest time. And I have just come from the mountains of North Carolina, a beautiful, healthy area of our nation where there are no jobs for our youth. Contrast these with the young people who do find jobs, jobs that pay a union wage, though they often fail to realize the struggle their fellow workers went through to build the good working conditions and wages that they enjoy. Automation, nuclear energy, and new technology are not evils. They are a gift from God that hold the potential of feeding, clothing, and sheltering all the world's people. But they make it imperative that, with honesty and unselfishness, we devise a new system of distribution so that all able men and women may become employed and share in the affluence of our society. And we must, above all, see that human needs are met. As the National Council of Churches declared last year in its Labor Sunday message, quote, man was not made for economic systems, but economic systems were made for man. If, therefore, our economic systems are not serving human needs adequately, they must be overhauled, adjusted, or remade, not to serve some set of statistical averages, but to meet the needs of human beings. End quote. I believe this is the spirit of the labor movement in our world today. Let me cite one example of its thinking and action. One year ago, the United Steelworkers of America and the steel industry agreed on a provision for periodic three-month vacations for senior employees in order to expand the opportunities for employment. This is a totally new concept for industrial workers in our society. It is estimated that it will put 24,000 unemployed steelworkers back on the job, while those who have worked steadily over a long period of time will enjoy periods of earned leisure. I am often asked, how will these men use their leisure? I always respond by asking, what would you do with such an opportunity? Are you any different from them? I suspect that many of them will travel. Nothing could better advertise America abroad than the visits of industrial workers who have earned the capacity to travel as a fruit of our economy. Or they might even use their new freedom to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 